Welcome, Nexus Church family online to another week in our series we've titled Warrior. In a series, we've been taking a look at what makes a warrior. Uh, maybe, like me, you probably don't think of yourself as a, a warrior, right? Like, a warrior is a, a gladiator, a, a, a mighty army person, you know, and I don't fit any of those kind of people. I'm not the, the, the one that leads the charge. Now, there are some who are, right? Some who seem to be born with this sense of fight in them. But for the rest of us, we don't really feel like that. But as I've made very clear throughout this series, and we'll continue to, that is, you are a warrior. God has called you into the family of Jesus Christ. And once you enter into that family, you are a warrior for his kingdom. You are called to do spiritual battle for the lives of those who haven't come to become in that family. And so in this series, we've taken a look that, that how do you be an effective warrior? Now, first week, we covered the fact that in order to be a warrior, you need to develop courage. It takes courage to do the spiritual battle we've been called to. We are fighting an enemy who isn't flesh and blood. And so when we do battle, it takes courage to stay in the game, to keep battling, to not give up. And then last week we talked about planning, being prepared. What does it mean to to be prepared to be a warrior? How do we develop that, 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 that characteristic of a warrior? And now this week, we're looking at perseverance, staying in the game, right? Staying in the game. So a, a, a warrior must have courage. A warrior must be prepared to go into battle. You just don't go jumping into battle, right? And Joshua took 40 years to be developed. It's going to take time. But then when you're in the battle, so many times we get into the battle and we realize, oh, man. This is hard. This isn't anything I thought it would be. And I'm sure if you've been in life long enough, if you're in your adulthood, you quickly realized after you graduated that this isn't as fun as I thought it would be. And so what does it mean to persevere? And if you are young and you're in, in school yet, uh, stick this one up on the bookshelf somewhere and come back to it. When you're older, don't forget it. Don't lose it because you're going to enter into the thing we call life at some point. And you're going to need this perseverance, this willingness to stick it out, even when things aren't the way you thought they would turn out. And so before we get into this, we're going to be looking at uh, Joshua chapter six in just a moment. But before we get into it, I want to cover one thing that I just didn't want to bypass because I just don't want to skim over the hard things of the Bible. This is a a thing that comes up quite a bit when we have conversations with people. The things you read in the paper as people deconstruct their faith. And one of the reasons is because they look at stories like the Old Testament and in particular, in the case of Joshua and the defeating of Jericho and all of these people and all these cities that were in the promised land that, that God 
annihilated. And we ask, isn't God just? Isn't, isn't God loving? Why would a God annihilate a people? Like it, just, it, doesn't, it doesn't fit with what we see in Jesus. But I realize that I could explain this away. And some people are going to walk away today and say, I still don't want nothing to do with that God. And, and I'm going to just let you know, I'm praying for you. I, I don't want anybody to walk away from the faith because they can't accept the fact that God is holy and that he demands holiness. And that's what we see in the story of Jericho. We see a God who is just, who is holy, who demands holiness from his people. He doesn't demand perfection. He desires a, a, a heart that wants and longs to be right with him. And I think that's where some people get off the track is they see God as just this, this perfect being that demands absolute perfection from people. And though it kind of does, it's not so much the fact that that he demands a perfect person because he knows we're fallen. He knows that, that we can't perform perfection. But he wants a heart, and we see that in the life of David so beautifully. But let me lay it out for you from this time period. So we can look at David. We can look at the New Testament. But in this particular time, God calls his people to be like him, to be his representative so that the people of the world may look at the Israelites and see God, see his attributes, not perfection necessarily, but his attributes at work. And so we read this in Deuteronomy 18, 9 through 14, where God says, when you enter the land, your Lord, your God is giving you. Do not imitate the detestable customs of those nations. No one among you is to sacrifice his son or daughter in the fire. Practice divination, tell fortunes, interpret omens, practice sorcery, cast spells, consult a medium or a spiritist, or inquire of the dead. Everyone who does these acts is detestable to the Lord, and the Lord your God is driving out the nations before you because of these detestable acts. You must be blameless before the Lord your God. Though these nations you are about to drive out, listen to fortune tellers and diviners. The Lord your God has not permitted you to do this. So listen, these acts that were mentioned here were considered unholy to God. He had a, a standard of how to relate to him in his holiness. And the people that were in the land had turned from that. Now, whether it was recent or in times past, we don't have the details of, of how these people turned from God. But at one point, he laid out for them how to live. And they had turned from them, much like we read in the prophets, in particular like Jeremiah and Isaiah, where God is calling out, turn from these wicked ways. I've given you the, this is how you are to live. And at that point, the Israelites had turned from that. And so God right here is laying out, this is how I want you to live. It's clear. It's concise. And in fact, we even know from the text we read last week, with the testimony of Rahab in Joshua chapter 2, that he gave them an opportunity to repent. 
Rahab herself said, I had seen, I had heard of what God, your God, the one true God did to the Egyptians at the Red Sea in all these other cities. God, your God is the true God. And so she allowed the spies to come in. She provided them a safe haven. And she alone and her family were saved from the destruction of Jericho, as we read in Joshua. And so God reached out. God, yes, is just. Yes, God is holy. But God always is reaching out, providing a way. Whether it's through a testimony, whether it's through the direct word of God coming to the people to repent, to come back to him. God is always reaching out. We may not see it all the time. But God is reaching out. And if this is where you're at today, and, and we come to a story like this, and you're like, oh, here's just another story of this evil, just kind of dictator kind of God who comes in and, and hates people and just destroys them. That's not, that's not who God is. God is reaching out. God is loving. We just don't always get the full scope of what's going on here. But as I said, in Joshua chapter 2, God reached out and he said, here I am. And as we read in Hebrews, we we read this all last week. Rahab was the only one who by faith trusted in him and turned from her detestable acts in Jericho. And so as we base that understanding of God, yes, being just, yes, being holy, but yes, he is gracious and he's reaching out. I want to turn now to three simple observations from the story of Jericho and Joshua and the people of Israel and determine what what does it look like to persevere? How do we persevere? And the first point I want to make is where we see walls, God sees a way through. Where we see walls, massive city, God sees a way through. It's crazy to think that this massive walled city with people all over on the walls, watching over it, the the gates were shut, right? Like there was no way in, there was no way out. The Israelites didn't have the battering rams or or the tools to go in and tear down the walls. They didn't have anything. They didn't have anything. This was a secure city. How bizarre that they would be scared of a former enslaved group of nomads with nothing to do battle with. It was a wall. There seemed like there was... No way through. Yet God saw it. God saw it. And I find it fascinating that that this city would come crumbling down because of faith and obedience. Now, what's interesting also, though, Is that remember all these victories that Israel once had? They had all died with the parents. Right? Remember that that 
all the spies and everybody with them, including their leader, Moses, died before this point that we read. Up until Joshua, all the leaders were still dying off, dying off, dying off. And finally, Moses passed away. And the only ones left were Joshua and Caleb that were alive as adults when the spies went into the land. So all those miracles that God did, all of them, the parting of the Red Sea, the removal of slavery and all the things that came with it, they were all dead. All those victories were gone with the former leaders. And so what Joshua had to do is create trust in God's abilities to fight for them again. You see, our victories come when we continue to trust in God and obey. Where we see walls, God sees a way through. Joshua 6 verse 1 says this, Now Jericho was a strong fortified city because of the Israelites. No one leaving, no one entering. The Lord said to Joshua, look, I have handed Jericho its king and its best soldiers over to you. March around the city with all the men of war, circling the city one time, do this for six days. Have seven priests carrying seven ram horns, trumpets in front of the ark. But on the seventh day, march around the city seven times while the priests blow the trumpets. When there is a prolonged blast, of the horn, and you hear its sound, have all the troops give a mighty shout. Then the city wall will collapse, and the troops will advance, each man straight ahead. So Joshua, son of Nun, summoned the priests and said to them, Take up the Ark of the Covenant, and have seven priests carrying seven trumpets in front of the Ark of the Lord. He said to the troops, Move forward, march around the city, and have armed men go ahead of the Ark of the Lord. There was a massive wall. They had no way of destroying that city but they trusted god joshua and presumably caleb with them established remember what god has done he will provide a way through trust him and let's do what he says god sees a way through he will see a way through whatever you're facing today there is a way through he will provide Trust him. Don't stop giving up, right? Continue to trust. He's got you. Now, this brings us to our second point today. Just because you don't see progress doesn't mean God's not working, right? This wall. <laughs> Let's imagine it. I mean, day five, day six. Imagine. I don't know about you, but my insecurities would be creeping up. Not a crack in a wall. Probably some of the, the people on the wall, the soldiers, the watchmen, probably making some comments that weren't exactly beneficial to my insecurities. Maybe even throwing some arrows. Maybe even doing some attacks of some kind to kind of like get these ants out of here. They're disrupting us. We want to get back out and do our traveling. And they're in our way. Right? Like, this is not going the way we had planned. Let's continue reading in verse 11. So the ark of the Lord was carried around the city, circling it once. They returned to camp and spent the night there. 
Joshua got up early the next morning. The priests took the ark of the Lord and the seven priests carrying the seven trumpets marched in front of the ark of the Lord. While the trumpets were blowing, the armed men went in in front of them and the rear guard went behind the ark of the Lord. On the second day, they marched around the city once and returned to camp. They did this for six days. Imagine, again, six days, one time around, blew the trumpet, go back. Just can't imagine. But God was working. God was working both inside of them and into the city. We don't always understand what God's up to, what he's doing, what he's planning. But no, God is working. Don't give up. Don't don't abandon. A.B. Simpson put it this way, when I cannot understand my father's leading, And it seems to be but a hard and cruel fate. Still, I hear that gentle whisper ever pleading. God is working. God is faithful. Only wait. God is working. God is faithful. Only wait. His plan is the best plan. Don't get ahead of it. Don't drag your feet. Spend time with him. That's why we prepare, right? We prepare by spending time with him, planning, preparing, thinking things through, getting the details, getting people that we need, the resources we need so that we can be prepared. And then when we're in the middle of the battle, we're fighting. We're not dragging our feet. We're going forward. We see the walls, but we know God is working. We know God is moving. He's going to provide a way through. We need to trust. And maybe it's not going to look the way we think it was supposed to look, right? Definitely not the way the Israelites thought that God was going to work in defeating the city. They thought they were going to conquer it with their arrows and their swords, as incomplete as that would have been. God had a different way, right? Just like the Red Sea, and he defeated the Egyptians with water. The Israelites did nothing. God was going to conquer this in a whole different way. God's going to conquer the walls in your life, the things that he's called you to, the people, the the lives that you are to impact. Remember, you are a warrior for God's kingdom, not for an earthly kingdom. You are a warrior for God's kingdom to bring as many people into the kingdom as possible. There are walls in your lives with people that you love, co-workers, family members, neighbors, enemies. You see them and you see impossible. God sees them and says, I got a plan. That wall in their lives between them and me, it can come crumbling down instantly. I got a deal. It's going to work. Trust me. Don't give up. Don't stop praying. Don't stop loving them. Keep going forward. I got a way. Whatever wall that is that you're facing today, God's got a way. Don't give up. So remember, where you see walls, God sees a way through. And even though it may seem like there's no progress, God is moving. And lastly, your lasting impact will depend on your perseverance today. Your lasting impact will 
be determined on your perseverance today. Not giving up in the middle of the battle. Not giving up. Read the last few verses. Early on the seventh day, they started at the dawn. It marched around the city seven times in the same way they did just once each of the other days. That was the only day they marched around the city seven times. After the seventh time, the priest blew the trumpet, and Joshua said to the troops, Shout. <laughs> this is God's plan, right? Not our plan. Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. And so verse 20, so the troops shouted, the trumpet sounded. And when they heard the blast of the trumpet, troops gave a great shout, and the wall collapsed. The troops advanced into the city, each man straight ahead, and they captured the city. Not in the way they thought it would be. But their perseverance is what led them to victory. Their perseverance is what led them to victory. God didn't have to use the Israelites, right? God so it could have said to that wonderful city, Jericho, you have turned from me. Just like Sodom and Gomorrah. I've given you every opportunity to turn to me. I'm going to wipe you off. But Lot continued to pray. What if there is one? What if there, what if there was 100? What if there was 50? What if there was 20? What if there was just five? You know, like God is gracious. He pours it out. He didn't have to use anybody, but God chose to use the Israelites to show them, to remind them that I am your God. I am for you. I'm not leaving you. I'm with you. He chose to use them for a purpose. And they were obedient. And they were able to defeat with God's power because they didn't give up. They didn't turn away. Their obedience to stick with it through day one, day two, Day three, four, five, six. It's what determined, what prepared them for victory. C.S. Lewis rightly stated, hardships often prepare ordinary people for extraordinary destiny. Hardships prepare ordinary people for an extraordinary destiny. Your victory in this war for the souls of others the mission God has put you on, and the vision, how, how he's created you to follow through on that, depends on your ability to stick it through. Now, don't, don't get me wrong. Sometimes hardships are to wake us up to the reality that we're not where we need to be. We need to make a shift. God puts things in our lives, and we need to, to, to pray about it. And there are times where God says, I'm shifting you. And I'm, I'm shutting doors. This isn't going to work. And so we need to be mindful of that. However, many people don't see victory because they've given up a year, a month, a day too soon. Don't give up. Don't give up. You may never see what hard work you put in and what it does to other people's lives. We'll talk about that more next week. But let me read to you Hebrews 10.36 where he says, you need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you've stuck with it, you've committed, you will receive what he has promised. You will receive what he has promised. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You were faithful. You didn't stop. You kept doing the kingdom work. 
you were prepared, you planned, you were courageous, you stuck with it, you persevered. Enter in. So remember, where you see walls, God sees a way through. Even though you may not see progress today, doesn't mean God's not working. And your lasting impact is determined by your willingness to stick it out today. You, my friends, are called to build God's kingdom. And how that looks for you is the vision he has for you. Each person has a different vision, a different, different way of living out the mission of impacting God's kingdom for all of eternity. So what is that for you? Spend time with God. Prepare, understand what God's call is for you. And understand that sometimes it shifts and it changes. So be prepared. But don't give up when you're in the middle of the battle. If you've prepared well, you can persevere well as well. You have a mighty call in your life. You are a warrior for God's kingdom. Every single person who calls themselves a follower of Jesus is a warrior. Don't give up on the vision God has for you to be a warrior for his kingdom. Father, I pray for every person listening, that they understand this calling, that they understand that their call is to build your kingdom, to bring as many people into the kingdom of God and to glorify you for all of eternity. That's our job. You are a good God who loves, and you're using us to do the battle of winning souls. Thank you for that, God. We are so not worthy, but God, because of Jesus, we've become worthy. And so, Father, I pray that you will encourage your people today to rise up, to be courageous, to be prepared, to answer that call, that vision you have for them, and that they will go out and persevere and not give up. God, you have a great reward for them. In Jesus' name. Thank you so much for joining us today, Nexus Church family online. I encourage you, if you have any questions or ways that you need to connect with us, go to nexuschurchmn.com, and we have all the ways you can connect with us there. We'll see you again next week when we tackle the very last observation of what is a warrior. I'm so excited for this one. This is my favorite topic. We'll see you again real soon.